You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, Jedi Fallen Order, and all the other exciting and awesome projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? It's going great. We're in that time period that we were looking so forward to where there's so much star wars content coming we're in november we're just a week away from the mandalorian jedi fallen order and oh by the way rise of skywalker just a little over a month so we're in that sweet zone right now for star wars fandom it's going to be an amazing time this is a um, unprecedented moment for star wars i feel like yeah. it's almost, i feel like it's almost in a point of no return i feel like star wars is never going to be the same after next or yeah next week right so yeah so it's after next week i feel just because of the rise of skywalker coming out you know much afterwards and instead of a movie anticipating this movie we're gonna get a tv show and it's gonna it's gonna feed us a different way and i'm just it's again this is a a point of no return for us it really is and i i feel like it's gonna be a good thing but i don't think star wars is gonna be the same after after in this next two months, it's going to be a complete, mi- it's going to be a complete mindset change and re kind of refocus of what to expect, what we want. It's going to change. I really do. I think with the, with the culmination of the Mandalorian, the first live action Star Wars TV show, it's an actual series, not including the Ewok uh, TV films, even though I love those. And with the rise of Skywalker, it's ending the quote unquote, ending the saga at episode nine. I feel that there's this it's going to put Star Wars in a very unique spot and I feel like this is the the sea change if you will is right here. So, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, obviously there's a lot of sea change going on in, in Star Wars in general, but yeah, uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, and you know what? I think just like I agree with you, it's definitely going to change the landscape, but I think just how much it changes and the way things look going forward, it's going to depend on how good the Mandalorian actually is and how well that's received and then how well the uh, Rise of Skywalker is received and sort of the box office performance of that. I'm sure it's going to do well. Like, they've already talked about how much uh, it's making in in pre-sales and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I I think if one of them heavily outdoes, uh, outperforms the other, it could have a big effect on um, sort of the ratio of Star Wars movies versus streaming content that we get moving forward. Um, 
But we'll see. This will be a fun episode. We don't have a whole lot to talk about, but the stuff that we do have to talk about is kind of some big stuff that we're going to spend a long time discussing. So that's why we still wanted to uh, get jump on here and uh, do an episode. Um, and uh, we'll we'll start off with, uh, well, the movie news, as we always do. And this is the, um, well, I was going to say the not so good news. It may be good news, depending on who you talk to. Um, but the, the sort of controversial shakeup kind of stuff. And then we've got some trailers and some fun stuff to talk about at the end. Um, but of course, I'm sure most of you have probably heard the news by now, uh, you know, back like a year ago or something, it was announced that, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who were the writers and showrunners on Game of Thrones had been signed on to do a series of Star Wars films. And then there was all this speculation that it's going to be, set in the old Republic time period and people were all excited about it. And those were supposed to be the next movies that were coming out starting in 2022. Uh, but then they signed this big deal with Netflix and people were like, yo, what's the deal with that? Are they still doing star Wars? Are they going to be working on both at the same time? Um, and then of course there was a very negative reaction to season eight of game of Thrones. Again, depends on who you talk to. I didn't mind it that much. I mean, I had some issues with it, but overall I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it as much as most people, but a lot of people were, uh, you know, not too pleased about it and then wanting them to stay away from Star Wars and not do the same thing there. Um, and then just last weekend, they did a panel uh, at a film festival where they it, it was kind of their first like public appearance since the end of Game of Thrones. And they had like canceled their appearance at Comic-Con and they've been largely staying out of the spotlight since all this negative criticism that got heaped on them since the end of the show. And this was the first time that they really talked about it. And uh, I have to say, even for me as someone who even didn't mind the end of the show that much and who really enjoyed the show overall, reading some of the stuff that they said at that panel as far as like their process and how they really made it sound like they were just making it up on the fly and learning as they went and didn't really know what they were doing going into it. I was reading this going like, man, how did the show end up being so good? Like, because this sounds like, I mean, I know people had issues with the last couple seasons, but this sounds like the whole time they really didn't know what they were doing. And I was starting to be a little worried and kind of had a feeling that this could maybe have some negative ramifications for uh, their future working on Star Wars, but we'll see how it plays out. Well, lo and behold, two days later, we get the announcement that they have stepped away. They're no longer working on Star Wars. Um, and again, I, I think largely depending on how you feel about these guys as creatives and how you feel about uh, the, the final seasons of Game of Thrones, this might be really bad news or really good news for you. Um, but I think overall it's just, it's a shame as a Star Wars fan to just see this happen again. Um, because I feel like with... Uh, you know, this is what, like the third or fourth time that we've had yeah. big shakeups and controversies and directors leaving projects and all that kind of stuff. So it, even if you're glad that these guys aren't working on Star Wars, I think it's pretty safe to say that this doesn't look good for the series as a whole. Um, and, you know, they put out an official statement uh, from them and from Kathleen Kennedy. And really, the I mean, the sort of official word um, or their reason that they gave for leaving was that um, it was really because of their Netflix deal and that their schedule was just getting too full and that they really love Star Wars and really want to work on it, but they just have other commitments and that, uh, you know, they'd love to come back and work on it sometime in the future when their schedule is more free. 
Um, and so that was really just kind of the main explanation that they gave. But then, like, I don't know if it was a few hours later or the next day or something, there was an article from Variety uh, where they you know, talked to their sources in the industry and kind of got more of a scoop on what was going on behind the scenes and talked about uh, how they were, you know, so exhausted from dealing with all the negative criticism from Game of Thrones and then seeing a lot of the negative uh, attitudes in the Star Wars fan uh, fan community around like The Last Jedi and the criticism directed at Ryan Johnson and stuff and thinking like, man, do we really want to go through that again? And um, I don't know, just a lot of kind of behind the scenes drama and it just seems like there was more uh more factors at play here than just uh the Netflix deal. And again, I mean like I said there was um that panel that they did where they really didn't do themselves any favors or paint themselves in a good light as uh creative directors, but then also some of these sources are saying that this deal had started falling apart months ago and that even you know back when they signed this big Netflix deal which was um, a while back that, uh, you know, even right off the bat that that maybe kind of started to deteriorate their relationship with Lucasfilm because they were like, hey, we thought you were going to be completely committed to Star Wars. And, you know, that was kind of causing tension. But um, I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, yeah. So, yeah. what yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess we'll just kind of start with like, what was you guys' initial reactions to hearing this? Well, for me, I I wasn't surprised. Because I think right now everything is in kind of flux at Lucasfilm in regards to the films being made. And there's a lot, there's a lot of people online who, you know, are pro Benioff and Weiss and anti Benioff and Weiss and anti Ryan Johnson. They're pro Ryan Johnson films and they're, you know, they're kind of don't know what to think about Kevin Feige, you know, what his role is going to be right now. It, it feels, it, it not even feels, it shows that the, the TV series are more set in stone. The TV series are, have way more of a vision, if you will, than the, the films do. Because we, we know that they're making a casting Andor series. We know there's there's Mandalorian season two. We know that there's Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries or of some sort of some kind of TV series coming out in a few years. And what's, what's really problematic is that we don't really know what's going on with the films. And part of it is because Kathleen Kennedy has, you know, went out and tried to get talent or secure talent, I should say. That, I think that's a key word, secure talent. She's trying to secure talent by hiring these people without having a proper pitch, it sounds like, of some sort, without some kind of basic idea. And I think Ryan Johnson's a great example of that. When she's making, when they were making The Last Jedi, it went so well. She said, "Oh, this is great. I'm going to grab Ryan Johnson and I'm going to secure my my time with him, and I'm going to uh, make a I'm going to make a new trilogy with him because it was so great, and this movie's going to do so well because The Force Awakens did really well, and I think this movie's great." And and she secured him, and she figured, "Oh, he'll he'll figure something out. He's a great writer, right?" <clears throat> And obviously split fandom, whether you like to admit that or not, it happened. And Ryan Johnson now has, is kind of in flux right now. The Benioff and Weiss guys, kind of the same thing. You know, they had their, they had their game of game of Thrones thing. And one thing to keep in mind, the game of Thrones season eight ending 
didn't necessarily seal their fate because it was right after or during season eight when people were up up and at them about everything, even before the last episode, remember, people, or I think it was either after the last episode or right around then, Bob Iger said, yeah, Benioff and Weiss, they're going to be, they're finishing up the Game of Thrones and they're going to go right into their next film. And he's talking about it like, yeah, don't forget Game of, Game of Thrones guys, they're coming in. And he kept bringing them up and the Netflix deal kind of, you know, kind of for me, I kind of forgot. I didn't kind of stop kind of randomly. I'm like, Oh, huh. Okay. I always assumed star Wars was next for them. And then Netflix. And when I just kind of assumed that, and then that whole thing happened over the weekend where they were kind of talking about things. I knew something was kind of strange there to mm-hmm. be honest, but I don't, again, I don't think that had anything, anything to do with it either. I think the reason why I just kind of didn't assume it, you know, everything was kind of was fine was honestly, it, it kind of started with Ryan Johnson when he kind of started backtracking a little bit on his, his trilogy. And I thought for a second, huh, that's weird. Like that's the first time we you've kind of, we've seen Ryan kind of backtrack a little bit and we've heard nothing, but just Bob Iger talk about their next, their next, their next, you know, about Benioff and Weiss. And I started thinking, what if, what if this it doesn't happen? Like, you know, it's got three years. There's a long time. And, you know, other people kind of started speculating that, you know, maybe it won't happen either. And I said, and I started agreeing with them. Like, you know what? I think that's probably some merit to that. I think there's probably not going to, it's not going to happen. Even though Bob Iger just went out and said it. Cause Tim, I think I, we talked about it, right? I think on here, I think I even said like, I'm not even surprised if he, if he does, they don't get their movie at this point. Yeah. You did mention it. And so, I, I'm just not surprised because the problem is right now, Kathleen Kennedy secured talent. She didn't secure stories. There mm-hmm. might be a basic yeah, pitch, a but there's no, there's no, uh, there's no focus. Uh, Florian on Twitter, he's, he's a, he's a big star Wars Twitter person from Germany. My homeland, by the way, I'm half German. Um, sorry. I said a shout out to the Germans. Uh, but anyway, Florian had a great point. He said, I want, Star Wars films, you know, I want I want Lucasfilm to hire people based on stories, not based on just I'm a hot director. Because a an average, maybe what we think is an average director has a great idea for a story. And then they and they have a great story and they and they and they did knock it out of the park. Again, case in, and this is not the, the same case, but case in point, like a John Favreau, because Favreau's a great director, but John Favreau had an idea for a TV series, pitched it, and they're like, Yeah, let's do that. And they and they ran with it. We need more inspired ideas, not let's get this director because they're really good. I mean, I think that's it's it's smart thinking to an extent, but let's get that smart. Let's get that hot director. Maybe they have a great idea, and they don't have a great idea. Then maybe go. Oh, why don't you come back and when you have you know another idea, and we'll we'll keep pitching ideas until we find something. And once you find something that we both like, well then we'll hire you and and whatever. But that's not really the case right now. And so with Benioff and Weiss, it remains to be seen if 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 they got hired on a pitch. I don't think they did. I think oh no, I don't probably, think so either. Either. Yeah. yeah. So I think so. I think they had ideas, but again, there wasn't a pitch. So right well, they now, could have even pitched them on a vague idea. Like let's say they came to Kathleen Kennedy and said, "Hey, we want to make a, a old Republic movie or something like that." But like. You need more than that. Like you have to know like how the story is going to go and you don't have to have every detail hammered out ahead of time. Sure. But like, you know, a pitch isn't 
hey, let's make a Star Wars movie set 3,000 years before the original trilogy. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds yeah. great. It's like you need like what's that movie going to be about? Um, but, yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Like um, and we kind of how we talked about on the last episode, too, about how they need uh, or I don't remember if it was it might not have been our last episode. It probably wasn't. But when we talked about Kevin Feige um being hired to direct a star wars movie and it's like we were talking about how star wars needs someone like him to guide the direction of the stories like i wish they would either hire people because they're pitching good story ideas and not just because they're big name talented directors who probably could do a good job with a star wars movie but you need good creative people working on a good creative story idea like you know you can't just expect them to make something up on the fly or, you know, give them a bad movie to work on and expect that they're going to make it good. Like hire people who have good ideas or come up with the idea first. Like you've got this whole story group at Lucasfilm. You got probably the biggest collection of star Wars geeks in the world working on star Wars for a living. Let one of them come up with a good idea and then right. go out and hire direct, you know, talented filmmakers to make that story. Can I, it makes me th kind of think that they should take a, maybe a page from, how Marvel does it where they announce the projects first, like yeah. before yeah. then they announce who's going to write and direct it. Exactly. And that would be something that, you know, cause I think something needs to change as far as how yeah. Lucasfilm's going about announcing writers and directors for upcoming projects that we have no idea what they are. And then boom, they're gone. Well, and we never knew. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt Tim because you haven't talked yet. I, I, I do deeply apologize. I have a lot yeah, to say. So I, yeah. So, there's a couple of things I want to touch on that you that you both brought up. And so, and after this, I'll shut up for a while, I promise. So the story group, I'll be honest. And I'm, this is no, I have, I don't know the story group. I've talked to a few of them here or there. They are very nice people, especially Leland. I, I'm a big fan of Leland Chi. He's a very nice man. Um, But I'll be honest. I do not want story group in charge of creating stories. Because they are not creators. They are just Star Wars informational databanks. And it remains to be Holocron seen. Holocron Keepers, as Leland Chi's title refers to. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not sure if they would agree with that or not. Maybe they might take offense to that. But I'm sorry. Well, no well, here's the thing. And, and I agree with you on that. I guess part of what I'm saying is maybe not even with the current group of people. Like maybe they yes. need to, maybe they need to shake mm -hmm. some things up again. Like I know that their role is more to keep all the stories in line and keep the continuity and stuff. But like you right, have right. this Star Wars think tank that you call the story group, and they're not creating stories. Well, and and this is the thing: it's a couple things on the story group. Now it's 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 early. It was early concepted from or created from the original version of the Marvel story group. And it was a Marvel creative group and to give you a background on that. The Marvel creative group was created by Ike Perlmutter, the then and still semi current leader of Marvel. Now, now for, like now. Kevin, <laughs> for now until Kevin Feige is, is, is already right now. Kevin Feige is now after we had talked, had our last show, we thought maybe I thought maybe he's taking over star Wars. He's now pretty much taking over Marvel completely. Like we're talking from the creative standpoint, Kevin Feige is now runs Marvel and is, only a matter of time before he's pretty much the head honcho of Marvel and Ike Perlmutter is pretty much pushed out by Disney. That being said, when the, when Marvel had their own studio and they were, or they were with Disney or whatever, but right around that time of when the MCU was born with iron, the first Iron Man film 
kind of pre-Disney and post-Disney, they had Kevin Feige was the head of Marvel Studios, answered Ike Perlmutter, and Ike Perlmutter had created a Marvel story group that kind of had a think tank of all these different Marvel creators. Now, the difference is, this is where it kind of goes in line with what you're kind of talking about, Kyle and Tim. But the thing is, these people were all different writers and different different creative people and different editors and whatnot all in the Marvel universe that had or have a lot of Marvel experience and they all you know kind of all work together and Kevin Feige worked with them and they all answered they all were separate from Kevin if I'm not if I'm understanding correctly and they all answered Ike Perlmutter okay so when Kathleen Kennedy took over that was still in place okay when Kathleen Kennedy took over for Star Wars. So she used that idea based on Marvel. Well, what happened only a couple years later, uh, Kevin Feige pretty much destroyed the, the whole story group because he was sick and tired of answering to them and Ike Perlmutter when it was pretty much him creating the Marvel, the MCU and was being successful. Well, they destroyed that, and now Kevin only answered to one person and, and whatever. So what's interesting is that Kathleen Kennedy did some good things with the story group. I love that everything is canon. I think I think most people, not everyone, but I think most people would agree that everything being canon makes it a lot more fun. There's a lot Definitely. of problems. Mm-hmm. With, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with that. I think that we could hold another podcast in and of itself. <laughs> but for the most part, I think we all agree that was a great call on her part. Now she created the story group. The problem is the people she put in charge, and I don't know the whole story group besides Kiri Hart. Kiri Hart's more of a creative that I, she was no longer a part of it, but in, in the initial, she was in charge of story or she was in charge of the whole story group. The difference is the people they hired from what I understand, again, they don't have experience in creating. I know maybe they, they do whatever. I don't know. But regardless is it remains to be seen how good of a creator of creator creatorship they have or creativeness they have in story based things. And I don't know if I, I personally trust someone who doesn't have any storytelling experience in creating stories, creating stories for Star Wars on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. that no, and that, again, it, and that's why I was saying maybe right they should restructure that. Like it, heck, yeah, yeah. get a, get a, a get a panel together of like Dave Filoni and Charles Sewell and Timothy Zahn, and let them so, come yeah. up with ideas for Star Wars stories that then you give to screenwriters and say, okay, you know, get creative with it, put your spin on it, turn this right. into a screenplay. But like this is the the ideas of the story that we want to work with rather than right. hiring a creative person going, hey, you're a good filmmaker. Make us a Star Wars movie. Go right. free reign. Ha- do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, so people will yeah. love it because it's Star Wars. Right. And, and I'm almost done. So the thing is, you're right. They need to restructure the story group or not call them the story group. Call them something else because really they're just they're just kind of organizing. And again, I don't know the whole process but from what we understand they don't really have a lot of say. They just they're just information people. What I understand they might do is they you know with the comics and the books they give suggestions of like oh do this kind of story for this because this you need to tie into this or whatever. It's more that ancillary material they're more in charge of. But even then I'm like eh, I kind of want them to kind of even not be a part of that either because I think again you, even with with the smaller scale stuff of the books and the comics which pitch ideas. I mean I'm sure that also is part of it. But regardless. I just think that 
I don't really want people not who don't really know. Star, they may know Star Wars really well, but I want to know people who actually have good storytelling and know stories really well. And and I want that to be the, the basis of the comic books and the books. So, you know, if you have someone you want in charge of comics, have someone who actually has knowledge in comics and, and writing comics, not just, oh, I know comics really well and I work for Star Wars. No, no. Give me someone who actually knows how to write scripts for comic books, who actually knows artists, knows how to, the dynamics of that working. And all of that, you you need more than just a fan. Like if you had, if, if I was in charge of Star Wars comics, I I might have some good ideas, but you know what? I wouldn't have as good as ideas probably than other people that actually have a lot of experience and and knowing that. I mean, again, I just think there needs to be a little different focus on there. But anyway, but you bring up a great point. They need to refocus things. And going back to what you said, Tim, and I'll and I'll be done here, is that they need to have more idea, have more pitch focuses now. What what I think is funny is I do love the fact I, I love Rogue One because Rogue One was a pitch by John Knoll, right? And they yep. got a direct and they got directors and writers. And you know, granted, like they kind of struggled getting those those Rogue One up and up and ready because they had they found the, the late hard the hottest director at the time when Godzilla Godzilla came out. And that might have bit him in the butt a little bit, even though I love Rogue One and they didn't he didn't deliver exactly what they wanted because he let's be face it. Gareth Edwards wasn't exactly a super experienced filmmaker at that point. He'd made a few films, but that's it. And the thing is, you know, with, with, with Solo, that was a movie that George Lucas had an idea from the very beginning and they and they gave it to. Uh, and I love Solo. So I think they're I think that's the way to go. And I think that's what they needed to focus on. They need to have ideas. Just and you, you nailed it perfectly, Tim. Give us films that are based off the characters or pitch ideas, or have an idea you want it. You want to make a movie about this, and you find the right directors. And and that because that's exactly what Kevin Feige did. And in, clo- in my closing art, uh, segment here, again, I call it a segment because I'm talking, for, talking forever. But James Gunn came in, pitched them Thunderbolts. That's what his whole pitch was. They said, yeah, yeah, that's great. We think you'd be good for Guardians of the Galaxy. And he was like, what? Really? No, like, yeah. They hired him. He had no connection to Guardians of the Galaxy until they hired him. And look what happened. He, he made arguably one of the best MCU films out there. And it it's maybe in my top five, top four. It's amazing. And that's something you got to take. You got to really think about. Kathleen Kennedy, whoever's in charge of Lucasfilm, and Star Wars material going forward, you've got to have the right ideas and you, you take your pitches, have people pitch things to you. Yes, absolutely. But you know what? Have ideas that you feel strongly that, you know, you can market and then find the right directors. Cause look at Kevin Feige does. And again, I, I know Feige is, is an unfair example in some ways, but you know what? This guy finds directors and that people think that like, like the Russos, do all the Russos came from, Russo's came from community, the freaking sitcom or comedy show. Yeah. And they put out and, and they're now like the hottest directors and and, and film the, the highest gross movie of all time. Find talent that's out there and find the vision you know you want and go for it. That's what Feige has, and that's what Kathleen Kennedy doesn't have, unfortunately. And I'm gonna say it, and you can get mad at me all you want, but you know what? Kathleen Kennedy does not have vision. That's why she grabs these directors and that throws them at the wall and hopes they stick because she doesn't know what she wants to develop next. And when, when she gets ideas, she goes for it. And 
when she throws things against the wall and doesn't know if they're going to stick or not, you get a mess. And let's be real more. There have been more problems and messes than there have been like actually stable things. And that's a sad thing. It really is. I mean, that's what really bugged me about this whole report more than anything, because yeah, I was more on the surprise side of things just because I, I didn't put it out of the realm of possibility, but from all the conversations we've had on the show and just talking to you, Paul, of how, you know, you really don't think Ryan Johnson's films are going to happen either. I was expecting that to be the you know first shoe to drop as far as changes in the upcoming Star Wars movie release schedule. But so I was expecting to hear that before Benioff and Weiss uh, would be off the project. And you kind of, if you didn't put that idea in my head when you mentioned it, on one of our previous episodes that I probably wouldn't have thought about them leaving. Cause like you said, Bob Iger kept mentioning them as, you know, they're first in line. We got that 2022 release date. So that's what I'm gearing up for. And, you know, I know I'm in the minority here amongst most of the reactions I saw for this online regarding their departure, but I am bummed that we're not going to see what they had uh, in mind for their star Wars project, because, you know, I think the flack they get is overblown because it's almost seems like, the hip thing to do now is just constantly bag on them just because of, you know, the mixed reception for a lot of people's case, the very bad ending to games of throne to game of Thrones. But I'm more in line with you, Kyle. I recognize some of the faults that season eight had, but overall I still enjoyed it and thought the story wise, it was a solid conclusion to the series, but it just kind of wasn't executed the best. But to me, it seems like almost everyone forgets about the work they did on the previous seasons and just how amazing the series was. And I don't think you, can't forget about that and that's because the talent is there and going back to that whole panel you were talking about i I didn't read the whole i guess transcript or reports from it but i don't know it kind of seems like i don't know if they were like just having poking fun at certain things as far as like over exaggerating as far as you know not knowing what they're doing they just got lucky because i don't think you can be that lucky when you've had at least six solid seasons (laughs) of that show becoming like considered one of the greatest TV shows of all time. That's not just luck and how you uh, make something like that. I'm sure they're not the only ones behind it. They had tons of other writers and directors that helped make it that way. But, you know, they were the showrunners. So that's the count for something. And that's the kind of talent I wanted to see do on Star Wars when you look back at how amazing those first seasons of Game of Thrones were. And that's why I'm bummed that we're not going to see what they were able to do. But just going more on the behind-the-scenes things, I just... Like I said earlier, things really have to change as far as making these announcements. I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm almost thinking where I don't even want to hear another announcement about the next upcoming projects or films for Star Wars or who's directing and writing it until we know what that is. And it's for sure that everybody's on the same page because you're either hearing creative differences, scheduling conflicts. And every time that's reported, we always get these reports from the trades of like Hollywood reporter, or in this case, deadline really saying kind of what happened, giving us the, like the real scoop as far as why things fell apart. That's always the case when we find out a star Wars creative uh, director or writer is no, no longer working on a project. And you're absolutely right, Paul. I think we have had more of these instances than you know, smooth <laughs> running movies as far as no dramas behind the scene or firing writers or directors like that. And that's that pains me as a Star Wars fan because it's just so like this great franchise that you know everyone who gets involved with is says how excited they are, and then they're off the project. Something happens and 
it might leave a bitter taste in their mouth. And it's just something that's getting very tiring to see as a fan because it's just, it shouldn't be this way. I mean, sometimes it just puzzles me as why it keeps happening still. I mean, I really, really hope this is the last time we're going to get one of these announcements. I'm still kind of preparing myself for Ryan Johnson, but after that, I just really hope Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm and Disney realize that this can't keep happening. This is getting a bad reputation now as far as, you know, it's going to be the butt of the joke now whenever there's a new announcement made. Okay, we'll just wait to see how long this director or this writer is going to be, you know, fired or leaves because of uh, conflict, conflicting schedules or creative differences or whatever, because that's the reaction now. And I don't blame anyone who would think that way because that's become more the norm uh, than a rarity. So it's just a bummer all the way around for me. And, you know, I used to say how, you know, in the case of Bill Lord and Chris Miller, how, you know, it was, I liked how, Kathleen Kennedy took the proactive approach knowing that, you know, the movie's not clicking the way it should be. And the end result is that was the right call because we all, you all know how, more so me and Paul, how much we love Solo, but oh, Kyle yeah. still likes it too. So, but Kyle thinks it's okay. But just thinking of what it could have been of the reports we've heard about it being, you know, totally different tonally and more on that comedic front that probably wouldn't work as well. So in that case, you know, I'm glad that she steps in and makes a change, but when it's before things start filming and production starts, I just really, I mean, I'm not in the movie business, obviously. I don't know how all this stuff really goes down, but you just would think they have all this stuff ironed out before they, they announce these deals and where, you know, they're on the same page as far as story-wise and time, time commitments and all that. So it's just, you know, May, really makes you think what actually or how quickly they just want to get this news out there. Do they feel they got to, you know, appease Star Wars fans, just give them something to keep them happy, even though they might think that maybe we shouldn't announce this just yet because we're not on the same page yet as far as what type of story we want to do here. And there could be a fallout and we better not announce it until then. But maybe they feel they have to announce it so they can keep that buzz going or knowing fans would want to hear what's coming after episode nine. But the problem is, Production and crew announcements, like writers and directors, doesn't get us as excited as would an announcement of what we're getting, kind of what I was mm -hmm. talking about, what type of movie we're going to see. I mean, that's what would give us more excited, knowing that that's coming and we'll trust Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm to hire the right people to do it. I just really hope that's the direction they go now, because I think that would, you know, save us, save us and them the trouble of having to make an announcement and then take it back and announce that this writer or directors leaving and i'm sure they don't want to do that so it just seems like something should change now and i'm starting to think i mean we had that report of the release dates for the next movies um, i don't know i'm kind of thinking 2022 we might not get a star wars movie that year i think it might be even longer because mm. I, I forget where but i remember there was a report saying that uh, kevin feige's uh, movie is not going to slide into that 2022 release date i mean anything can happen but and I don't think Ryan Johnson's going to be starting his movie to get that ready for that release date. So I don't know. Just things are really up in the air again as far as future Star Wars movies go. So I wouldn't be surprised if later on we learn that the, something else takes that release date for Disney in 2022. And we wait a little bit longer for the next Star Wars movie because, yeah, things just keep changing. And sometimes not for the better, it seems, as far as, you know, getting these announcements made as far as changes 
to the crews out they hired. So, yeah, I was for the most part disappointed or once I heard this news, but, you know, I'll have to wait and see to see if it ends up being the right one in the long haul. But let's just hope we get some more <laughs> concrete, positive announcements in the future whenever Lucasfilm does decide to tell us what the next Star Wars movie is and who's going to be behind it. Yeah, think- and like you said, I do hope, and I mean, we said this again before, or said this already, but I really do hope that going forward, it's like, the, you know, put the story first and don't just hire people because they're talented and think that it's all going to fall together and like, oh, you know, they've made a bunch of successful movies, so of course they'll be able to come up with a good Star Wars script. And, I mean, like you said, Tim, like, I mean, they could hire... Steven Spielberg, for all I care, to, or, you know, some other, like, really prolific, you know, Christopher Nolan, uh, you could say that he's directing a Star Wars movie. Heck, even they've got Kevin Feige. And still, the first thing everybody wants to know is, okay, cool, I'm excited because this guy's good, but what's the movie going to be about? Um, And I think, like you said, that gets people more excited than just... knowing who's going to be working on it because, and as much as, I mean, especially me as, you know, I I majored in film production and stuff. Like I have a big appreciation for the work that goes into create a movie and the people behind the camera and everything. But when you go like, it's the stories, what you care about first and foremost, we go to star Wars movies for the stories and the characters. And we don't, you know, you're not just sitting there the whole time thinking, wow, JJ Abrams is this really great guy. He did a really fantastic job and that's a great shot. And that's great cinematography. Like all of that stuff is supposed to come together to create a great story. And like, that's what we want first and foremost. And it seems like they're kind of going about it the opposite way. Um, And so hopefully going forward, they do maybe kind of shift their focus a little bit and start, you know, again, coming up with some story ideas and then bring talented people on to make those stories come to life. Also, I just want to point out real quick, like what we were saying earlier about the story group and everything, at least for me personally, I was not trying to be like negative or critical of like the story, anybody in the story group and what they're doing now. I just think there's an opportunity there for them to be used in a different way. Um, cause I think they're doing a great job right now of just, again, keeping everything in continuity. And I know they do work with a lot of like the novels and the video games and kind of helping with story ideas for that. Um, but I think there really is room to have, you know, some kind of overseeing creative force like a Kevin Feige or like, you know, a story group in a different capacity, just, um, coming up with those stories and then just leading with those first, um, But then the other thing, you know, Tim, you were talking about that release date in 2020. And and Paul, you kind of mentioned this, too, about how now that uh, Benioff and Weiss are off the table, that a lot of people are thinking, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter and stuff, too, like, oh, Ryan Johnson must be next. Like, oh, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, this keeps happening. It's going to happen again. Watch now. Ryan Johnson's not going to get his movies either. And I'm wondering, is this bad news for him or on the, I think on the flip side, it could also be a golden opportunity because you talked about how he seems like he's kind of been backtracking recently, but like, I think in a lot of his interviews and stuff, he's just been saying that, yeah, like we're, we're talking about it. We just don't have a plan for it right now. Or, you know, we're trying to figure out scheduling and just make everything work. And, um, and even like that one interview that we talked about where he sounded like he was kind of backtracking. I saw like a follow-up interview where somebody asked him about that one and he was like, oh God, did I say if like, no, like we're, it's still happening. It's just, we don't know when that's not or whatever. What he, that's not what he said. Like he's very, he's like, oh yeah, well it, he's been very, nothing is definitive in his statements. If you read his statements, he says, even the last one, someone said, 
um, oh, he said his new trilogy is still happening. And I read it. And he said, we're still trying to figure out a release date and everything. And like, he's not even, there's no committed to, yeah, I have got a story I'm working on. Notice he never says that because that's the key to all this. And he, he used to, to, that was like the first thing mm-hmm. he would say. We're trying to develop the story and everything. We're like in the early stages of that. Now it's right. like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, and this is why I think it's not happening because right now he's doing promotional things for Knives Out. If, and this is why I think there's multiple, multiple reasons why they haven't announced that he's not coming back. One, saving face because you've got – he's promoting Knives Out. You don't want that to take over what he's doing there. And obviously that movie's got a lot of traction. People are doing are really excited about that movie. It's got a huge uh, critical rating on Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. I probably will have to see it because my wife wants to see it. It's whatever. But what's also you got to remember too is that his – you know, Rise of Skywalker followed up his last movie. So if they – if they kick him out before the rights of Skywalker is released, then, or at least around close to that, it's going to look bad on Disney. So uh, yeah. right now, cause he, he has no choice, but to answer questions, he's got no choice because he's in the press. So he has to say something. If he says, if he can't just say I'm out or yeah, I'm working on it. So you notice if, if this was, if what's to say this, let's assume that I'm wrong, that he is going to make it. Why is he not just outright saying, oh, yeah, like Tim said, I'm not working on the story. We got working on this. You know, we're brainstorming ideas. No. Instead, he talks about another film after Knives Out. So you tell me that 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 guy has got Star Wars on his brain. He's got he's got, you know, a lot of things working on. No, he doesn't. Well, all I'm saying is and again, I'm just speculating here. I'm not predicting that like, oh, no, this is definitely going to happen or whatever. But I'm saying like and again. You're right that they do keep t- like every time he talks about it, it's about scheduling and timing and logistics as opposed to story, which is what we right. really want to hear about. And that's kind of how you know that things are going well if they're talking about, oh, yeah, we've got a great story that we're working on. But I've got an exact quote. By but the they keep talking about, you know, he keeps talking about like, oh, yeah, we're just trying to figure out the timing of it and trying to make it work and blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe it really was just a matter of Disney having their slate too full and f- trying to figure out where they could slot that in. And now that Benioff and Weiss are off the table, it could be like 2022. Boom. There's your opening. Let's do it. Well, OK, so here's OK. First of all, and and, and Tim will back me up on this because we we both this is like, we were just talking on the on a random day and we, and we brought this up and maybe I did it on the show, too. But uh, Bob Iger hasn't mentioned Ryan Johnson by name in almost a, over a year at least and has not mentioned him at all. And, and even the slate of star Wars films, he didn't say, you know what he's at Benioff and Weiss are next. He, ne- he does not mention anything about Ryan Johnson, nothing. Now take that with the idea of all the things that Ryan Johnson, again, he has to be in front of the media with his movie. So they're going to ask him all these questions. This is literally the last thing. And someone on a on a website was like, oh, he's, he's still making his movie. I went, let's see what, the, what, the, what this quote is. This is after, this is two quotes after the one of, oh, we'll see what, ha- we'll see what it's, if it's still going to happen or whatever that very kind of backtracky comment. Then he's like, oh, did I say, you know, so this is after he said, oh, did I say if? Oh, yeah, we're still making, you know, whatever. His whole, he's trying to figure out what he's saying. This is exactly the next quote. We're still engaged with Lucasfilm. And we'll wait and see, Johnson said. No updates on it at this moment, but yeah. You're telling me this guy is like going to make a Star Wars movie in like three years? Yeah, right. 
This this guy's got there's nothing. If he was excited about doing a Star Wars film and it was going on, he'd be like, Yeah, working on a story, it's happening. He's not he's not definitively saying anything. And it's because it's I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Again, although I'm wrong, I I'll I'll eat crow. I'll totally eat it. But if I'm a betting man, I bet my house there's no way Ryan Johnson makes another Star Wars film. There's no way. And and it's all and also, again, think of I, I know people say, right, well, last year I made a lot of money. And so you're right, it made a lot of money. I'm not debating that. The problem is the response and what again, the fact we're even having this conversation. And people are upset, are still like mad or don't like a Last Jedi and things like that. And it's, it's a very polarizing film, and not exactly in the, the best way possible. That's why they're not going to bring him back. And it's obvious that fandom is not is is split. And now, I, granted, it's not all Ryan Johnson's fault. Ryan Johnson's definitely been a catalyst for that. And and for whatever reason, and if Knives Out super successful, why would he want to come back? There's no reason. Like why would he? I mean, the only thing he'd want to do is for money. That's the only thing. But unless think, he really had a story he wanted to tell, but like, yeah, I know that's not the yeah. case. Well, and and again, I've said it before, and I still maintain that. And again, like you said, look at uh, the the early success and good reviews and stuff that Knives Out is getting, and look at Ryan Johnson's previous track record. I know he hasn't done a lot of movies, but his stuff that he has done has been you know very well received. Um, and I think giving him a blank slate and letting him tell an original Star Wars story with characters that people aren't tied to, I think would be fantastic. Like, I think a lot of the negative reaction to The Last Jedi is because people, you know, again, there's so much talk about subverting expectations and whether or not it's a good thing. And it's like, regardless of where you stand on it, there is some legitimacy to the fact that, like, you know, people have been invested with these characters for 40 years, and then he made some decisions that some people were like, that's not the, the character I grew up with. And you can say whatever, you know, maybe it's just some people being stuck in their ways or not being open to creative changes or whatever. I'm not arguing one way or the other. I'm just saying that the fact that he had a differing vision from a lot of other people, like especially Mark Hamill, you know, case in point, um, but wanted to do his own thing with it. I think letting him do his own thing with original characters in an original setting, but still within the Star Wars universe and telling an interesting Star Wars story, I think would be a fantastic move. Now, is it too late for him to, you know, win back the goodwill of the fans? I mean, yeah, there's some people that regardless of what story he gets to tell, are just going to be like, well, it's Ryan Johnson. I don't want anything to do with him because The Last Jedi sucked. Um, and there's other people that would love, you know, they'd go pay to see a Ryan Johnson movie about Jar Jar Binks. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't know. It, it's just, you know, it, it's disappointing that it's become so polarized. And like you said, there, there could be some legitimacy to that, that the people at Lucasfilm maybe, you know, even if they don't, I mean, obviously, Kathleen Kennedy was singing his praises, and uh, I mean, it seems like both from an internal perspective at Lucasfilm and also critically, like, there are a lot of people there that love The Last Jedi um, and love Ryan Johnson and would, would, would want to come back and work with him. But you do have to wonder, like, maybe they think, oh, but, it, you know, would it be damaging for the brand to bring him back? Are there too many naysayers? And do we want to maybe just start over with somebody that is not going to be so divisive. Exactly. But, and again, I'm just arguing that, you know, I, like I would not bring Ryan Johnson back to direct another 
movie in the sequel trilogy or even like a spinoff or a tie-in that had to do with like Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or something like that. And again, it's not because of my personal feelings on him. I just think because of how divisive The Last Jedi was, I would keep him away from anything else that people are deeply tied to. But I also think he could make a fantastic Star Wars movie, given his own corner of the universe to carve out with original characters and an original story and just let him do something new and fresh that isn't going to subvert people's expectations because we have no expectations for it. Well, I, I think that the problem is, is that Ryan John, and again, it just it remains to be seen. And I, from all that we're seeing, it just, it just, he's not saying the things that are 100% definitive. And it's not because he's so busy. It's because I mean, he even said, Oh, I might even be able to put another film after this. I mean, there's... Yeah, but he said that before the Benioff and Weiss thing came out. And so that's what I'm yeah, saying. I know but, things are in a state of flux, but there's a big gaping hole right here that no, he very you're, well you're could right. fill. But remember, what happened in, What happened a few weeks ago? What happened a few weeks ago? Kevin Feige was announced to make a Star Wars movie. And what happened a few weeks later? Benioff and Weiss are out. So... Um, and, and people have said, like, there's been insiders saying that the, 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 the Feige movie will not be that movie. And even when the, 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 the insider trade started putting out, you know, they even brought up Ryan Johnson. They had said the status of those are unknown at this point. And they, they didn't say they were out, but they didn't say they were in. So they're very much like, eh. So to me, if, if I'm a betting man, I bet Kevin Feige goes next. Kevin Feige's busy, but you know what? He probably... He's he's such a fast worker. Dude's got a zillion projects at once. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, yeah, I'll get a story. I'll get it lined up because that's Kevin Feige's strength. He finds a story. He gets what he wants and he goes out. He makes it. He creates it. He puts it out. It's, it's again, there's a machine like quality to that. And some people are, you know, as we know, Martin Scorsese out there who doesn't think they're films. That's a whole other uh, whole other podcast in, a, in and of itself. But the thing is. He is a fast working film or a producer that knows what he wants and can get it done in a timely manner. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk that you have to make a movie at that time either. So my point is this. I don't think Ryan John. I mean, Ryan Johnson probably knows. I don't, I'm not saying he, does, he didn't, but I don't think it's coincidence that Kevin Feige was announced a few weeks before Benioff and Weiss were let go or they left. So I, I, I'm sorry. I just Ryan Johnson. And maybe I'm just being biased. It's it's very much very possible, but everything he's saying, I read every quote is not. I mean, Tim, you're kind of in the middle. You don't hate Ryan Johnson. You don't. I don't think you love love the Last Jedi as other although the super Ryan Johnson people do. I don't know if, if I'm wrong on that or not. But from the quotes you've read, do you think that like do you have any confidence that he that he's like oh yeah I'm making a a Star Wars movie another Star Wars movie or trilogy. No, not at all. I mean, you just see it changed so much from when it was first announced that he was going to be doing a new trilogy. And just the last quote that you read, um, what was it where it's like, not the wait and see, but it's like, we'll see what happens type of uh, line that he said. And that doesn't give me confidence at all because it's still kind of that we don't know. And I, I'm kind of thinking where he is next on the chopping block where he knows it but like you said he just can't say anything right now because like you said it is you know leading into the rise of skywalker you don't want 
to announce that, oh, the director from the previous movie is, you know, not working for Lucasfilm anymore as far as the next project. So just, and plus you already got this. I mean, we don't want another <laughs> firing or leaving of the project before the Rise of Skywalker comes out. And, you know, it's, uh, there wasn't anything for The Force Awakens, I believe, but for The Last Jedi, this happened too, where we found out before that came out that Colin Trevorrow wasn't working on episode nine, I believe. And that's, yeah, because that's where we started talking. Oh, maybe Ryan Johnson should just move in from eight to nine and mm-hmm. all that speculation who's going to do it. So for the past two saga films, there's been some bad buds as far as the creative forces behind future Star Wars projects and tapping it again. So you don't want that twice for one before one movie. So. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of more, like you said, if you had to bet something on a decision, I would bet that he's not going to do anything anymore. I think it's just a matter of time. And, you know, <laughs> again, with Benioff and Weiss leaving and getting more news like that, I'm not going to be surprised at all if Ryan Johnson's next. I'm almost kind of expecting it now. And it's just going to be a total question mark as far as what those next three release dates are going to be in the 2020s. You know, one of those is probably going to be Kevin Feige, but I just, again, mm-hmm. still not sure if it's going to be that 2022 release date. But if I remember right, because I don't think this was in the official announcement about Kevin Feige, but there were reports since then that, uh, he, correct me if I'm wrong, but he does have an idea of what he wants to do for his Star Wars movie. He right? does. He I think so. He has, he, has an actor, he has an actor in place, he said. That's or right. an actor yeah, in mind. Yeah. He, and that wasn't even something that he or, said. Yeah, I think that was more from like industry or like from people yeah. close to him. It was after the the report came out and then there were people saying that or it was probably in the same article, but it wasn't like an announcement from Kevin Feige. It was like just Variety or Hollywood Reporter or whatever mm-hmm. saying like, oh, and he also says that he has, you know, he already has an actor in mind for a role, which that in and of itself gives me hope that. Um, and also, I mean, I think they even made it clear from that initial press release that like he came to them with, I don't know if he had a pitch for a story or just, you know, a a general idea, but he came to them and said, Hey, I want to make a star Wars movie as opposed to them being like, Hey, we need some more talent. We're about to fire Benny off and Weiss, Kevin, you want to come make something like, so I'm hoping that he at least has a story idea for his movie. Um, yeah, because that would make me think you know, it would be likely that maybe his movie would get that 2022 release date. But once I heard that, you know, the trades were saying how that's, you know, not the plan right now. And of course they can change and make that happen. I mean, especially plans that are three years out from now, like, yeah, that's plenty of stuff can change a lot. Yeah, totally. So, well, and and like I said, I, there's a lot, there's a lot that can change because, they could be they could maybe potentially be taking pitches right now for for story ideas. I mean, and that's the thing. I just I, I just it seems like it seems like right now, like with Ryan Johnson, unless Ryan Johnson had a major pitch they all really liked, there's not really at this point, it just seems more a better idea just to start fresh, not just new characters, but new everything. Just a whole new, and this is why I think with Kathleen Kennedy, what, what is her contract up on the ne- the next film? Pretty much, I feel like this is it. I feel like this will be her last tenure, and it's more like setting things up a little bit. And let's assume this too: if Kevin Feige is going to make the next movie, what better way than for that next Star Wars film for her to go out on a you know her stepping down, say you know I'm gonna I'm gonna or take a different position within Disney or I'm gonna go back to my produce my production studio and say 
we're going to, you know, I'm going to do one last movie and Kevin with Kevin. And then by that time, maybe Kevin will have already run Marvel for a while and get some more experience for whatever he needs to do with that. And then maybe he takes over Lucasfilm in some capacity too, or he oversees Marvel creative and Lucasfilm creative. I mean, something like that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I want Kevin Feige running star Wars stories regardless. I, I, I don't want, I don't want that necessarily. I would love a little more diversity as far as, a different person running like my two favorite franchises basically. Mm-hmm. But, but my point is this, is that I think that this, it'll be this next TV series. She's going to usher those in and then this next movie. And then she's going to kind of, it's, it's going to be done. And, and I don't know what they're going to do, but at, at any rate, they need, the, there needs to be something. And I, I just feel like a clean slate of a different idea mentality going forward now with with Benioff and Weiss being let go is the next step and I feel like Kevin Feige is kind of like the first of that next step meaning you know what we need to kind of do something different Kevin you have an idea maybe Kevin came to them Kevin Kevin uh, Kevin came to the uh, Alan Horton and Bob and said hey I have an idea for a Star Wars movie and they went done do it and then and they told Kathy maybe hey Kevin wants to do this movie. We're going to let him do it. She's like, yeah, cool. I mean, I don't think she's probably going to be anti that idea necessarily. And they're going to make, go on with the star Wars movie and just kind of give different ideas and different pitches. Again, a pitch. I'm assuming Kevin has an idea. So I just kind of feel like, again, I talked about in the beginning of the show with the Mandalorian coming out and the rise of Skywalker. This is a, this is going to be a major sea change for star Wars. And I think that with TV, it could alter what they do with films going forward. And, and I, I've heard, I've seen people talk about it other places. I'm not even, I, I would not be shocked if they don't, if a movie doesn't come out in two, three years. Like, is, is it two years from Rise of Skywalker? Well, three, is that right? It's three because it's 2022. Okay, yeah. um, I'm, I wouldn't even be shocked if it, a movie doesn't come out in three years. Wouldn't be shocked. And you would know what? At this point with all the live action stuff that we're getting, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as much as, thing. now, uh, the the caveat to that is Kathleen Kennedy did say that they were working on something Old Republic related, and you know I need my co-tour. Um, <laughs> but they could do that as a series too. I don't care. In fact, heck, I've said from the beginning, maybe not the very beginning, but I've said before that like, especially if they were to try to do like an adaptation of the Knights of the Old Republic video game, I don't think that would work as a movie, but it could work as a series. Um, and I mean, obviously when you're working with eight or 10 episodes, that's more content than a two hour movie. So, um, well, there, there was that rumor that happened and it wasn't confirmed that she, well, she said that well, you're right. She did say that and there, the, they were talking about it in back at celebration. Yeah, right? Well, she and, said they were developing something. She didn't say it was a movie. She didn't say who was working on it, but he asked her about Knights of the old Republic. And she said, we're working on something in that space or related to that well, or something like that. that. Now there's two things that could have been, that could be one was the Benioff and Weiss origin of the Jedi. That could be what she was talking about. It could which, be now, but don't forget there was a rumor of the altered carbon showrunner, the lady who wrote, um, Alita battle angel as well. She is writing a Knights. There was that rumor that Buzzfeed went with and Buzzfeed isn't always the most reliable. Oh Yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah. Now, but here's what was interesting. It was very specific. She was writing a script. And you got to wonder, that was in the summertime. And that was right, you know, that was kind of in the Benioff and Benioff and Weiss's, uh, you know, what, what was going on kind of thing. You got to wonder if that, I mean, there's lots of things that are developing. Let's be real. 
But you got to wonder if this script that that lady was working on that that's Knights of the Old Republic. And this is and I've got and I've got on record on, on my Marvel shows and done this and I'm going to pitch this out to you guys. And I don't I'm not sure if I've, I've done this, but let's, let's throw this out there. I wouldn't be shocked either if that's let's say Kathleen, because because to me, the next logical step in, in Star Wars filmmaking, not in TV series, but filmmaking. What have they done? Even, not even filmmaking, excuse me. We're talking just in general. TV, it's include TV series. We've got a Mandalorian that covers the Mandalorian Boba Fett crowd, right? That's what fans would always want. They're getting that in the, in the Mandalorian. You're getting Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries. Everyone wanted more Kenobi because of Ewan McGregor. We're getting that, right? We've got OT era um, films and, and stuff. We got that with Mandalorian and Rogue One and Solo. You've got... You've already got prequels with with the, with Anakin and all that. You've got the sequel trilogy that's been taken care of. Okay, so what is the next logical story, like from a money making standpoint, that people will and fans have been wanting? What do fans want after all those things we've gotten? What do you think is the most logical financial sense? Old Republic. Exactly. So to me. That's what that's what's going down. And what I will say this, it wouldn't shock me. And I'm not saying Kevin Feige is a huge Old Republic fan, but hear me out. It would not shock me if Disney was like, we need to make this Old Republic movie. We need to make sure it's good. We, we need to make sure it, it, it it's it's solid, whatever. And they said, Kevin, will you take the rein on this? Because think about it. What has Kevin done with Marvel? Tim, help me out here. What has he done? As far as making these like, great adaptions from stuff that's Thank you. been, you know, stories that we've known and loved for years and adapting into you. the movies. And not just adapting them, but altering and defi- and and shaping them. Making for- them work for movies. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. That- and that's what that's what you would need to do. Again, if you were if they were to make the story of, you know, Knights of the Old Republic with Darth Revan and Bastila and HK-47 and all that stuff. Like, you would need to make some changes to the story of the game and those characters to make it work on screen. But I, and I've said before, too, even as a huge fan of those characters and that storyline, I'm also totally okay with them coming up with a new story and, and, and new characters in that space, but just doing something that is more like, you know, ancient history and mythology of the Jedi and all that kind of stuff. Um... But yeah, I mean, I I do think that Kevin Feige would be a good person to tackle that. But I don't. I mean, again, it, it, we have nothing to go on at this point. We don't know what he's working but, on. So we'll, no, 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 I know, right? But what I'm what I'm saying is this though: with a script being written, and what if again, what if they said, Kevin, will you take the reins on this? And he's in charge. I if I if, if that was the case, I would be 100 percent confident that kevin would destroy in a good way that movie because he knows what he wants he again it kind of fits his his strengths and i think that and that's why i think that he's probably going next if they don't just they don't move the title or they don't move the 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 date and they keep that three years i think that it's a knights of old republic or something like that along those lines tales of the jedi i like tales of jedi as a name better personally just my opinion um Something like that that's ancient Jedi related. Kevin Feige will be adapting the story. He can even use Knights of the Old Republic. I think that would probably, honestly, that's a very, you know, money making thing. So even they did something like Revan, I think he could make it work because let's be real. 
the one thing that comics did that Kevin Feige has done is that Knights of the Republic's lasted that long and Revan's lasted that long in the Star Wars fandom is because he's a good character. He or she, whatever, whatever you choose. Um, and my thing is this, is that you, these characters have survived because they're good characters, right? Thrawn mm-hmm. survived because he's a good character until those books were written recently. And, and I just get <laughs> extremely bored, but, <laughs> but, but, but again, Revan is a good character. I'm not saying you have to take the whole story and adapt it, but Revan take that. Yeah, character. I, I do think it. Revan has to appear in there somewhere. But, um, but, but but I'm saying is Kevin did that with the, with the comic books and he, he knew what characters hit in the niche market and he knows how to market it to a mass marketed uh, mainstream audience and he knows how to promote that and get the most out of his film. And that's why I think that he'd be tailor made if you want to do it, some kind of adaptation of Knights of the Old Republic in some regard, then you know what? then that is what you'd want to tap to. And, and honestly, that's the next logical step in, in Star Wars filmmaking of some kind. So I think take it to the bank. It's going to happen. Maybe not with Kevin Feige, but it, that next movie is going to be something ancient Jedi related. Yeah. yeah. Now I, because when, Oh, go ahead, Tim. No, just, I was going to say one, I think it was deadline in that report about why Benioff and Weiss left. It was saying that their idea was to do the origin of the Jedi and how mm-hmm. that kind of wasn't, you know, what I guess Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm were looking for or wanting to do, or maybe their ideas of it were, weren't clicking. And that just goes back to the whole thing as far as shouldn't you have all that worked out before you make the hire as far as yeah. knowing this type of story you want to do and where you want to go with it. But I just hope that was another thing that kind of, you know, was disappointing for me to hear uh, in that article, because, you know, just like you guys have been waiting so long for <laughs> not even Knights of the Old Republic. I want, the history and the origin of the Jedi found to find out where they came from. The first ones to use the force if they're even the first ones, but how the order was built. I want to get that story. So when I heard that, that's kind of what they were planning and now we're not going to get it. I just hope that's an idea that just, you know, gets forgotten now, but it is something that can be explored later on by someone else who will be in more line to what Lucasfilm wants to do in telling that story. But I just hope it's not too far long of a wait because that's something I've been wanting to see for so long. And, you know, was bummed out that was on the horizon, but now we have to wait a little bit longer maybe to get that. But cause I think that something that should be separate from Knights of the Old Republic, you probably could mm-hmm. make it work as far as having it be tied into one movie or one series or whatnot. But, you know, I think the, history of the origins of the Jedi should go way back, you know, even further than the era we know from Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, I should say. But, um, so I'm relieved. I'm personally relieved, Tim, that we're, they're not making that origin of the Jedi movie with, with Kathy, with Kathy and the leadership involved right now. And I've said that on Twitter because here's the deal. I don't trust them right now with the decisions they've made story based to do that justice. I'll <laughs> Honestly, no, who should do that you. movie. George Lucas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Benioff and Weiss were meeting with George Lucas yes. about that. And, you know, that that was interesting because it, it's easy with all the negative criticism aimed at them around Game of Thrones and stuff. Like, you read this and assume, oh, it must have been their fault. And, like, Disney let them go because they didn't want their negative reputation or they thought they had bad ideas for Star Wars or whatever. But then when you read that and it's like, well, they wanted to do Origin of the Jedi and they were talking to George Lucas about it. And if... 
if they really were having creative differences with Lucasfilm and with Kathleen Kennedy, because that they didn't want that story, or especially if they didn't think that, like, and I really hope this isn't the case, but if they thought that that's not a story that fans would be interested in, like, lay off the death sticks, because yeah. <laughs> give me that yeah, I'm ho- any day. Hopefully it's not, you know, th- that they wanted, they didn't want to tell that story. It was how they were going to tell that story, maybe. Yeah. But I know that's another thing, because that you know got me excited and later disappointed later disappointed that they're not doing it because we know they were talking with lucas i mean there was that great behind the scenes video of the first uh was the first or second episode of the season eight of game of thrones where lucas visited the set oh yeah he was talking with them and like looking at the camera and then they met with him later in italy i believe about talking about their movies so you know just the fact that they were kind of maybe more involved with Lucas than some of the other directors who've been working on these star Wars films. I mean, you know, JJ's met with Lucas, Ryan met with Lucas, but it seems like they had multiple <laughs> meetings with Lucas. That, Here, here's the, here's a Ryan Johnson meeting. Hey, George, go away, Ryan. Okay. I'm going to ruin Luke's <laughs> guys later. <laughs> well, I'm actually George contacted him when you watch the documentary. I like... know. <laughs> All that to say though, I, and I'll kind of end with this before we move on to some other stuff. Um, cause I have one other question for you guys. Um, and I forgot what my question was. No, no, no. I know what it was. So obviously things are in flux. I mean, we know, at least we assume that Kevin Feige is still making a movie, Ryan Johnson and eh, maybe, but directors are dropping like flies. Um, they obviously need somebody that can stick and that is talented and can make good movies, but also knows Star Wars and has good story ideas. And we have somebody like that at Lucasfilm who's getting his first taste of live action directing with The Mandalorian. And if that goes well and it's well received, do you think it's only a matter of time before we see Dave Filoni direct a live action Star Wars movie? I think it's coming eventually. I'm just not sure it's very soon if any i think the closest might be that last movie in the 2020s i don't think it's going to be at like the 2022 release date or was it is it every two years or every three years it's every two yeah it's 2022 okay. 24 26. so maybe the 26th one at the earliest but i think his time he's definitely going to get a shot at directing a love action star wars movie it's just it's a matter of time but i think it's you know still going to be a while because He's probably going to do more episodes of The Mandalorian Season 2, and yeah. who knows if he's going to get involved with any of the other uh, TV shows. I-, I would love for him to be involved with Obi-Wan. I mean, <laughs> knowing the time he spent with that character in Clone Wars and how he handles his appearance in Rebels, I mean, I would love to have Dave Filoni direct Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan yeah. <laughs> in that live-action series. And so hopefully I, he's I would have thought too. I would have thought the same thing, too, but we know that uh, I think Deborah Chow is like taking the lead as director on that series. Um, I don't yeah, know if she's directing every mention. episode, but she's like at least sort of like the supervising director, if you will. Um, yeah, they did mention her as the director of it. So yeah, did which, they, they which I took that she's going to direct most of them, but maybe Dave can squeeze in one. <laughs> but And my assumption on that, because you're right, I think Dave would be a fantastic choice to do that. But I think he probably is, you know, John Favreau's like right hand man on the Mandalorian. And is probably more invested in that. Um, and like you, Tim, I mean, I think, I still think he's going to get a shot eventually at some point. I've always thought that. But again, now that all these spots are opening up and all these other people, you know, keep falling by the wayside, I'm like, maybe they want to push him along and, you know, maybe he'll get a shot sooner than we were expecting. 
I think that I'll be honest. I think Dave Filoni is going to. I, I think a, a movie, yes, eventually, maybe. But I also think there's bigger plans for him. I, I, I still think not running Lucasfilm, but creatively running mm. Lucasfilm. I think that he could be the fight. I know a lot of people are like, no, 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 no. But I, I, I just, you know, especially how the Mandalorian turns out with, with, with Favreau. I mean, it's Favreau's baby, but let's be real. John, it's been John and Dave together. Like, it's oh, exactly. Been very much. Yeah, it's not been just Favreau. It's both of them. Yeah, and I mean, we thought it, initially that it was mostly Favreau, and then it was like, oh, cool, Dave's getting to direct a couple episodes. Exactly. But then the more interviews we've read and the more panels we've seen them on together, it really becomes clear that, like, like I said, Dave is his right hand man on this, like his go to yeah. guy for Star Wars stuff, and Dave's on the set even for episodes that he's not directing, like learning from the other directors, and so, um. Yeah, let's see. I, let's see. Let's see him. Let's see him write and direct an episode next year of The Mandalorian. I'm not sure if he's written any. I think they're all written by Favreau. I'm sure um, Filoni will, may write something eventually. But either way, I think I think Filoni is 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 being. He's obviously, in my opinion, they are prepping him and getting him experience, like in some ways to get him ready for something, whether it be a film or whatever but he's getting experience you know he talks about boot camp if you watch there's a great um the, the uh mandalorian press panel was on there and he talked about you know it was his boot camp and mm -hmm. that's a really good point and to be honest i think they're, they're 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 tailoring and prepping him for something whether it be a film or just experience in live action so he can have that experience and move on i don't know but either way I, I love Dave Filoni. I really do think he should be in charge of Star Wars, not of you know, storytelling. And and I, and I know everyone loves everything he does, but you know what? Like he's everything he's touched, I've liked way more than a lot of stuff that's been put out there. So I'm I'm all about giving him more responsibility in Star Wars creative. I would love to him again be in charge of a like you. We talked about a committee of Star Wars creative people and in, in charge of writing stories and, and everything. That should be Dave Filoni's role, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think he would be great in that role as well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, just in terms of directors, like you even talked about guys like James Gunn and the Russo brothers for Marvel, who came from doing smaller projects. And like didn't really have experience doing big blockbusters, but really thrived in that role just because of their creative talent and because of their ideas that they had for the story and the characters. And I could totally see Dave Filoni doing the same thing or, you know, something similar in that regard um, if he got a chance to direct a movie. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but on that note, let's talk about The Mandalorian. Enough yeah. enough doom and gloom about the the far future the near future is looking very bright and promising filled with lots of exciting projects that we know are happening with directors that aren't going anywhere um <laughs> and uh we got not one but two new trailers for the mandalorian well really one like main new trailer one and a half. And then, uh <laughs> yeah one and a half um, and then today they dropped a new 30-second teaser um, in a new article on Vanity Fair, along with revealing a new character. Um, so, I mean, let's talk about that real quick. We don't have to necessarily go through the Mandalorian trailer shot by shot. Um, and some of this is, like, footage that we've seen before, too. But, um, I mean, we get to new, some new shots of, like, the Mandalorian. And have they revealed the name of this Ugnot character that he's with? Yeah, Kuehl. There's something like that as his name. Kuehl. Oh, yeah, his little Ugnot buddy, who we now know is voiced by Nick Nolte. 
Um, and we see the two of them riding on some blurgs. There's a pretty cool action sequence where you see the Mandalorian fighting uh, a couple of Trandoshans from that scene that we saw an image of a while ago where it looked like Black Series figures and everything. Yeah, was I was say, it looks a lot um, better in motion than not like toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the, my number one rule. Yeah. Always see it in motion. Yeah. It is and, a cool little sequence, though. I mean, just seeing them try to hit his armor with their staff and have no effect. He just quickly turns around and hits him. It's just awesome. Yeah, and I like that in the trailer, we see him take both like a physical blow from a, a vibro-wax or whatever they're swinging and also a blaster shot that actually bounces off. And I'm like, oh, what a novel yeah. concept. Armor in Star Wars that actually protects you from something. Can you give that to the Stormtroopers, maybe? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Captain Phasma's armor did also deflect some blaster shots from Rose in The Last Jedi. Yes. So maybe it's just something about the shiny chrome armor. Put that into mass production and give it to the troops. Don't be cheap, Empire First Order. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not cheap and mass production is what they're all about. Um, and look, look what it gets you. Yeah, but then, you know, of course, we see him putting some more bounties in Carbonite. We hear Werner Herzog saying for the 300th time that bounty hunting is a complicated <laughs> profession. So we all know it's very complicated. Um but, man, I, I tell you what, my favorite part of this trailer, and I think every trailer that we've gotten so far, is the sh any shots of uh, the Mandalorian's ship, the Razor Crest, and just Ugh. it flying through space, yeah. the flyover, the flyovers of the planet. I mean, first of all, some of these landscapes of these planets have just gorgeous cinematography, but then just, I don't know, there's something about seeing a spaceship fly over it. And it's, I mean, it's such a simple but cool design that just immediately makes it look like a Star Wars ship. Um, and these are always the shots in the trailers for me that make it feel the most like Star Wars. You see a ship coming out of hyperspace, flying towards a planet, flying over the horizon. It's like, all right, I'm getting major Star Wars vibes from this and getting really excited. Yeah, I mean, we've said it before, but it's worth repeating. It just looks like a star we're watching another Star Wars movie in this trailer, even more so. Like those shots where it's just flying over the planet and it's the different locations that just really feels like you know they're not going to be staying on just one location for the whole season mm -hmm. on a planet to save money and to keep the budget low but no it looks like you know they might be not going to a lot of planets but this is the fact that they're going to at least a few different ones is nice to see and they, it just looks gorgeous like you said it just to quote john hammond looks like they're not sparing no expense <laughs> for mm -hmm. the star wars tv show which we love to see and just when we're watching it for the first time because you know you mentioned how when it begins, it even starts off with the same footage that the first trailer started off with, with the Stormtrooper helmets on those pikes. And there are some familiar shots, but when I'm watching it, I couldn't remember, you know, is that in the first trailer or those from those bootleg celebration videos that oh, <laughs> got yeah. leaked and we saw? And it might not seem like they're new, but for a lot of people, it is like tons of new footage that they're seeing for those who didn't watch those bootlegs. But just to see it in this great quality like that, part where he just storms out of that building and starts firing the storm shooting at the stormtroopers like yeah that's one where it just looks amazing seeing it in good quality because that was one one i remember seeing from the bootleg and it just stood out to me but seeing it in the quality it's meant to be seen is how amazing it looks the, the action on this is just going to be incredible yeah there is a the mandalorian is I, and i've been saying it for a lot a while now and it's it's going to be huge it's going to it's going to be a game changer for so many different levels and i keep saying it's going to be a game changer for star wars and it's, and it already i feel it's already going that way but 
it just feels like this is the future and this it just it feels so different yet amazing because it is we know it's going to be a different again it's a sea change right now and i just this trailer is just so good it just it gives you everything you want of star wars lots of fantasy elements the again the science fiction fantasy ideas kind of all coming together they're all right here and it just again you're seeing essentially what George envisioned for the Underworld series right here in, in a nutshell, even though it's not exactly verbatim what he was coming up with. But this is what he envisioned with the technology, what was going, we're seeing in this trailer right here. And we're going to see next week is that this this is going to be the what George thought the future of Star Wars was. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a sequel trilogy. It was a TV series. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's really fascinating. And we're going to get that now. And that and that's where I think it's going to be. You know, we're going to see now what, what what it means and next week and how it's all going to, you know, shape out. And every every trailer we've gotten from this only solidifies the fact in my opinion that this series is going to be just gigantic it's gonna it's going to take the place of and maybe not completely of the game of thrones but it's going to help ease that pain and everyone's going to be talking about oh yeah star wars new star wars show it's pretty cool and like they're gonna start talking about it and go and there's gonna be mysteries there's gonna be again what's gonna be the difference here is that kids will be able to get into it and i think even more important the kids will be talking about it. It'll be like the kids game of Thrones essentially. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be huge. And that's, what's important because whether or not this is accurate, but you know, a lot of anti star Wars people or people who want to say the sky is falling for star Wars are saying that the kids don't like star Wars. It's like, Oh, and I think there's some truth to it to an extent. Not, it's not like as bad as they think it is, but it's probably there more than more people like to admit. And that being said, I think the Mandalorian is going to be the new kids family version of game of Thrones and where the kids, younger, younger people will be talking about it. Meaning, you know, I'd say like in the preteens, if you will, and they will just be ranting and raving about this. And I think this will be the marketing thing where, where kids will be buying the action figures, the t-shirts more so than the sequel trilogy, because I think this is going to be a quote unquote air quotes with my fingers, cooler, Star Wars pro, uh, thing than the, even the sequel trilogy. And I think sequel, yeah. sequel trilogy is great, but that's what I think. And that's why I think it's going to be huge going I, forward. I mean, I don't know if it's more of the kids or the adults that are buying it, but we, I mean, the three of us have all noticed that like the Mandalorian is the, the one black series figure from triple force Friday. That's flying off the shelves. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's something to be said just for that cool character design and wanting stuff with that on it. Um, I apologize, Paul. I was like half listening to what you said right there because I was looking through more of the shots in the trailer and something hit me that I hadn't thought of before. Very good. There's a little Easter egg in here. Um, kind of an Easter egg. I mean, it's something that I noticed the first time watching it, but I know some people didn't catch on right away. Um, we see about halfway through the trailer, there's a shot of a little kid like reaching up to the sky and then you see some smoke and sparks in the sky and a brief shot of a separatist gunship from the Clone Wars era flying overhead. And it's immediately followed by some people running through the streets, a couple of adults who maybe look like they're holding that same kid, but it could be a different kid. And they're getting chased by super battle droids. Now, knowing that this show is set 
like three or five years after Return of the Jedi, I assumed that this was some Imperial warlord or something who got his hands on some old Separatist tech and, you know, oh, cool, we'll get to see some, you know, a couple of old super battle droids. And then I, I, the thing I just realized just now was what if this actually, maybe what if these people that we're seeing here, like the kid and the couple that's running through the streets, what if that's somehow related to the Mandalorian's backstory? They're maybe like, whether it's a flashback to him as a kid, or this is his family or some people that he knew, or it's just his home world or something. And we're seeing a flashback to something that happened in the Clone Wars. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be amazing. And we, we actually would get and... to see Dave Filoni direct live action Clone Wars in his live action directorial debut. Oh, yeah. See, you know, I'm going to sound like a, an oblivious fan here, but I, when I first watched the trailer, I didn't even notice the super battle droids in the background. I mean, you had texted me, Kyle saying, that. I go, wait, what, <laughs> what, what shot were they in? Then when I went back and watched like, Oh, there they are. That's, that's awesome. And you put that together with that separatist ship that flies over. I don't know. To me, that just seems like a little too much for, like you mentioned, maybe some crime lord or warlord or has this remaining stuff from the Clone Wars. To have that many still intact, that, you know, they still look pretty primed and fresh from this quick shot of the super battle droids. That being that long after the Clone Wars, I don't know. So I'm kind of in the belief that we might get a flashback of the clone wars and that i think would be amazing whether it does tie into uh, the mandalorian's backstory or another character's uh, backstory because if you remember way back some of the reports about what the plot was going to be for the mandalorian what his bounty is might revolve around you know a child or a baby and looks like we see the child here in this trailer so it looks like mm -hmm. that might leads to some truth to those rumors and reports that were going on, but maybe it might end up being a little different, but if it's tied in with the Clone Wars, I mean, if we do get a flashback like that, man, that would, geez. And, <laughs> if so that, cool. and if that was the case, and I'm probably getting too far ahead of myself here and, you know, getting into the fanfic territory, but then what if Anakin or Obi-Wan or Ahsoka or Rex or some other familiar face that we know from the Clone Wars is the one that shows up and saves these people from this super battle droid. <laughs> See, I think thinking Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka might be a little too far-fetched at this point early in the series. Like, not even all here, three but... of them, but, like, just know, one character one. that we know. See, my, as far as, you know, me speculating and you know trying to get excited as a diehard clone wars fan was the possibility of seeing live action clones again i mean if we just got a few of them or you mentioned rex if we saw rex <laughs> in this flashback i mean heck they wouldn't even have to say anything if we just saw a glimpse of some clones fighting battle droids man i, I would lose it <laughs> i would too but part of me thinks that you know that's not going to happen if it is a flashback to the Clone Wars. We're just going to see kind of what the destruction and trouble that the Separatist army and the droids caused to this village and this family. And that would be it. You know, yeah. kind of I mean, selling that maybe they weren't helped or maybe they, this was a planet that was the Republic couldn't help because it, you know, it was they're in a neutral zone or something like that mm -hmm. and they couldn't be involved. But I don't know. That's kind of how I'm picturing it going, where we're just going to see the Separatists attacking and we'll hear references of the Clone Wars. But if, man, I would just love it if we got an actual glimpse of some clones. But <laughs> with Dave Filoni involved, it is possible. But part of me thinks he don't want to go too far into that. Um, 
aspect of Star Wars with this, you know, trying to establish this new uh, series in this part of the timeline. But if we got like a few flashbacks here and there, looks like we're going to get a little bit of that when the shots we got in the trailer. So again, that's what's the fun about speculation. It could be one thing or the other thing, because at first I thought maybe it's just someone using old Clone Wars tech and battle droids. But now I'm, I'm kind of more in the belief that we may actually see a flashback here and I'd be all for that. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you. Like, if I had to bet on it, I probably would say, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be some tragic backstory where the Separatists ravage this planet and, you know, we're just going to see the super battle droids. If anything, maybe see them shooting some clones that were supposed to be there defending the planet or something. Um, but at the same time, Dave Filoni has a history of, you know, telling Star Wars stories or just having character appearances or Easter eggs or whatever in Star Wars stories that you thought wow i never expected that but there it is and it's awesome so Mm -hmm. you never know yeah i think that's a that's a good call that's a very good call and uh man i'm just watching these uh trailers you know the last couple months the the first one the first official couple couple of weeks it's been a great two three weeks no no, i I know but some of the the mandalorian trailers you know from the the d23 to the last one last week and the new one and it's just i gotcha gotcha. this this show is just i can this i I keep saying it's a game changer it's gonna be a game changer Mm -hmm. and then we see um you know a couple shots of the mandalorian fighting this big or fighting or trying to tame like this big creature that looks like the reek from the geonosis arena crossed with a woolly mammoth um yeah because the reek was like big and red and leathery and this thing like it looks like the same body but it's like furry and hairy so maybe it's like a distant cousin or something um but just a but big this is... big lumbering beast with a giant horn on its head but this is actually one of my favorite moments of the trailer because just the design of the creature just how well it looks i mean i wasn't expecting that in the trailer or but i was glad to see it show up because again at star wars you gotta have some new wildlife and creatures to go up against you know our characters in the series and it just looked like it's going to be a really fun action sequence to see the mandalorian uh, go up against this beast I, I really like the design too i agree it does have the look and feel of a reek but again it has its own unique look with the fur so just you know another great looking visual that the series has where it just fits right in with a creature you think you'd see in the movies. It just looks fantastic. I just love this aspect of the trailer so much. I've seen this series is going to have it all, man. It's face battles, shootouts, cool looking characters. And now these creatures that he's going to go up against, it's man, it's going to be insane about all the good stuff we're going to get in the show. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we see more of like IG 11, just spinning around, shooting his blasters. Um, it's more cool scenery like the Mandalorian and another character riding speeder bikes off into the desert. Um, again, I mean, just kind of like with the first trailer, it doesn't, this doesn't tell us anything about the story. It's just cool imagery and cool action and just stuff that really evokes that star Wars feeling. Um, and I like how, even though this definitely looks like a show that's going to be kind of dark and gritty and violent, like, as far as what we're used to with star Wars, it's definitely more on the rogue one side of things and less on like the, a new hope and phantom menace kind of side of things. Um, but there are a couple moments in here. Um, like there's a moment with, uh, you see the Mandalorian and Cara Dune and they're kind of do, you know, like grab each other's hands. Like it, it just kind of like a moment of camaraderie between the two of them. 
Um, then there's also a moment with uh, this woman who like puts her hands up on his helmet, like she's about to take it off. And I don't know if this is someone that he knows or if she may be, uh, you know, someone he meets on his journey and, you know, he rescues her or something like that. But obviously seems like a more sort of tender moment between the two characters. So just little glimpses in here that tell you it's still going to have like that heart and like the drama of star Wars. And it's not just going to be all action and intensity. Like there's going to be some, um, kind of more like heartfelt moments too. Um, yeah. I was really glad that they put those shots in this trailer that the ones you just mentioned, because those are actually some of my other <laughs> favorite moments of mine in the trailer, just showing more of the personality that we're going to see of the Mandalorian without seeing his face, just with his helmet. But mm -hmm. that shot that you mentioned of, him and Cara Dune just, you know, doing that buddy handshake. It just, it's just great to see because they're all playing it. You know, he's going to be a loner. And even in some of the celebration bootleg, bootleg clips that we saw, he says that kind of, you know, loner stoic attitude where he's only out for himself. But it looks like we're going to, if that's how he starts off as, we're going to see him grow into someone who learns to trust people and establish friendships. That's, you know, going to be good to see for his character arc. And then that other shot that you mentioned where, um, that woman's looks like is trying to, you know, either pull off his mask or just touch it to kind of feel the mask of a Mandalorian. And do they have history together? Does she know who that is under the mask? But now she's seen him for the first time, you know, with the helmet of a Mandalorian, wondering what's happened to the person she knew. Or like you said, is it someone he saves? And she's just looking at, you know, the person who helped her and wanted to know more about him. But this little stuff that's showing more of, avenues that we're going to explore with the main character in the Mandalorian. I think it's really good to see and glad that they're showing it off in this trailer here in some of those shots. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, and it, that's kind of stuff that like I figured was going to be in there. Cause you know, you figure in like eight episodes of hour long television, like there's going to be more to it than just spaceships and blasters the entire time. And like oh, Star Wars is all about the character relationships and everything, but um, cool to get just a little glimpse of that. Um, and, but I, I like how much they're still keeping a secret too. And like, I'm really excited to just watch this. Like, we know it's going to be cool. We know it's going to look great. We know it's going to feel like star Wars. Um, but I just can't wait to find out what the actual story is going to be about and get to know these characters instead of just seeing little glimpses of them doing cool stuff, like flying through the air with a grappling hook tied to a tie fighter and then using oh, this <laughs> jet pack to fly up to the tie fighter and try to break in the top of it. Like, man, this looks cool. And I think even, I remember in some interview, maybe back at Celebration or something, you know, they were talking about how he might get new, like, weapons and gadgets and stuff, like, as the show goes along, and somebody asked, like, if he's going to get a jetpack, and Dave Filoni or whoever they were talking to was like, eh, maybe, I don't know, you can't say anything. Um, but he clearly has a jetpack in this in this final shot as he's hanging onto this TIE fighter and then gets a boost and, like, rockets up onto it. Such an awesome way to end the trailer on, man. Yeah. <laughs> One of those really cool money shots that you just... Well, it's not the final shot of the trailer. Oh, yeah, it's, but it's, it's the, not the final, final shot. But it's like the last big shot <laughs> of the trailer. It just looks so cool. I mean, something we've ever even... You know, wouldn't necessarily think we'd see in a live-action Star Wars movie, but now we're getting in a TV show. <laughs> Again, I'm sounding like a broken record here, but it just looks as great as anything you'd see in a Star Wars movie. And shots like that where he's just using this grappling hook to get on the top of a TIE fighter while it's flying. It just looks incredible, man. And again, this is stuff they're showing in the trailer. And just going back to how Dave Filoni 
would have trailers for Clone Wars and Rebels for like the beginning of the season, how he'd usually just show stuff from the first half. Part of me is thinking of wondering if they're doing the same thing here where all of this is just from the first few episodes and who knows how much more awesome stuff is in store for us in, you know, the latter half and the finale of this season. It's just crazy to think about what other amazing stuff we're going to see over the course of these eight episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, who knows where it's going to go, especially like we said, Dave Filoni is always full of surprises. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, I just I can't wait to see where they go with this. But then also to end end the trailer, we get our first line of dialogue from the Mandalorian that we've heard so far. And, uh, you know, Werner Herzog's character again is say, we hear him talking some more and he says, uh, you know, look outside Mandalorian. They're waiting for you or something like that. And then it just ends on a shot of the Mandalorian aiming his rifle like right at the camera. And he says, yeah, good, um, which I think is from a different scene. But um you know, still, it's just kind of cool to end on a shot of hearing him finally talk for the first time, even though he doesn't say much. Um, I really like his voice, too, just how it sounds up the filter of a helmet. It just sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and obviously he's going to be a man of few words and uh, many more blaster shots. But um, that was just cool to see. Um, and then just real quick, I'll talk about also this little 30 second teaser that they put out today. The, the main reason that they put this out, um, and like I said, this can kind of came with a vanity fair article where they were re revealing the character that Ming-Na Wen is playing in the series. Um, and she's playing an assassin named, uh, let me see, I'm trying to find the name again. Um, but it's, uh, Fennec Fennec Shand. Shand. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she plays like an assassin that the Mandalorian is going to run into on his travels, um, but then we see a, qu a quick glimpse of her in this trailer. We also, uh, see another shot of that Ugnaught, uh, who's voiced by Nick Nolte, whose name I already forgot. It's like, what'd you say? Queel? Kuehl. Kuehl or something like that. Yeah, yeah something, something like that. that. I think it's in this art. Oh, uh, yeah, it's K-U-I-L-L. -L, so Kuehl. Um, but, and he says, like, I've never seen a Mandalorian before. I've only read the stories. Um, so that's kind of cool that they're, even though we've spent so much time like on Mandalore in Clone Wars and Rebels, like getting to know that culture and stuff, um, I think it'll be kind of cool to see them sort of through the lens of the rest of the galaxy, especially way out in the Outer Rim where they're just sort of seen as like these legendary warriors that a lot of people have never seen before. Um, and again, just more cool shots of him in action. We get a couple more shots from that scene where he's like, uh, shooting the Quarren that's trying to get away from him in the bar. And we see him like slam his head on the table first. Um, and then we get another cool shot of him with that beast thing that we were talking about, where in the first trailer, we just saw a couple shots of him, like looking like he's getting dragged by it. Like he's trying to wrangle it or something. But in this one, there's a trailer or a, a shot of the beast, like charging right at him. And he straight up shoots a flamethrower in its face. <laughs> it <looked awesome>. So <laughs> yeah. And now so not only does he have a jetpack, he's got a flamethrower too. He's got the whole Mandalorian arsenal going on. Um, and then we see a, a shot of Fennec Shand and she says, your name will be legendary. Um, which makes me wonder if we'll actually find out his name or she's just saying like the Mandalorian will be legendary, which would be kind of weird because we know there's a whole lot of other Mandalorians out there, but maybe we'll find out that something happened to them um, during the Galactic Civil War. Um, so I don't know. Again, I'm sure that'll probably be part of the story as well. 
Um, maybe there is a reason why he just goes by the Mandalorian. Maybe he's like the last of his kind or something. Um, but I also wonder, and I don't know if we've talked about this. Um, I wonder if he actually is going to be a Mandalorian or if he's just going to go by the name Mandalorian because he wears Mandalorian armor. Um, like I just rewatched, uh, I've been rewatching Clone Wars and I rewatched like the, the Mandalore episodes from season two recently where, uh, Prime Minister Almec is talking to Obi-Wan about Jango Fett and he says, hey, you know, oh, he wasn't a real Mandalorian. He was just a bounty hunter who got his hands on some Mandalorian armor. Um, so I wonder if this character, like if he actually does come from Mandalore or is he like a Mandalorian in the sense that Boba Fett was a Mandalorian where he was just kind of known as a Mandalorian because he wore Mandalorian armor, but he's not actually from Mandalore. Yeah, I hope that's not the case because first off, they already did that with Jango and Boba Fett. I don't think they need to do that again with another main new character who's going to be wearing Mandalorian armor. And plus, I think it's cool for this character to have that history that comes with being a Mandalorian, um, having that warrior heritage and knowing all the events that went down on Mandalore from from Clone Wars and Rebels. I think they want to use that to fill, be part of his backstory again, especially with Dave Filoni involved, who was, you know, came up with a lot of those uh, stories and plot threads with Lucas for those Clone Wars and Rebels episodes. So I think I'm kind of hoping they don't go that route. I hope he is actually a Mandalorian and he is someone who is living up to that name because I, don't, I wouldn't think they'd call it the Mandalorian if he wasn't actually a Mandalorian as well. And again, just going back to, you already did that with Boba Fett and Jango, and no need to do that again with another main character who's wearing that cool armor. Yeah. I mean, but they could establish it right off the bat. Like, I mean, it's kind of been built up as the Mandalorian, but we could find out early on and it wouldn't be like a pulling the rug out later. And plus, I think it'd be good to have him be the Mandalorian, an actual Mandalorian who's going to become that famous bounty hunter or yeah. legendary, as it was said um, by Fennec Shand in this trailer where, you know, Boba Fett had, and Jango Fett have that legend of being great bounty hunters in Mandalorian armor, but they're not Mandalorians. So he might be the first Mandalorian to be like, you know, a truly great bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't think they, they do what they do, what they did with Boba Fett and Jango and say, um, Oh yeah, you should uh, make him not Mandalorian. He wears Mandalorian armor. That feels like a cop out again. So, yeah. I feel that, especially with Warner Herzog, been you know the Mandalorian, you know, and keeps referencing him as Mandalorian and your people this, your people that, and I, I just feel like there, there is going to be an actual Mandalorian behind the Mandalorian. So, oh, that's and, true. And, like he did say, be. it was a shame your people suffered during the war or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, another great shot in this little tease we got seeing scout troopers again on speeder bikes yeah that that looked great yeah (laughs) hopefully they don't crash into objects and trees or rocks or whatnot but just seeing them again driving speeder bikes in live action it was just really cool to see well you know they're not going to catch the main characters so like he he if he shoots them fair and square showing his skill over them or outrunning them i'm fine with that but just don't have them do stupid stuff where they're like confused and they don't know where they're going and they crash by themselves like, oh well yeah happens. i mean this isn't this isn't rebels like <laughs> exactly they're probably well, they're probably the getting, Jedi too. they're probably getting shot off their speeder bikes <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean mandalorian looking good we're excited for it and it's coming in just over a week i mean by the time you guys listen to this episode it'll probably be less than a week we're recording this on monday night right now and it comes out a week from tomorrow so I cannot wait. Um, the one, as, 
the one question I have oh. about the release of Disney Plus, do you think it's going to be like launching on Monday midnight? I was just wondering about yeah, that too. I like, have no idea. I thought I read somewhere and don't quote me on this because I, I have no idea and I don't remember where I heard this from, but I thought maybe that the Mandalorian was going to be dropping at like 5 p.m. Or something like that. I don't remember if that was in any of the articles that we talked about on our last episode where, like, they had the release dates for all the episodes. Um, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to look that up real quick. I don't know that that's been announced. I was thinking, how cool would it be, you know, where technically we really just have a week to go where <laughs> it launches, like, midnight, uh, Monday night, and you get to see it, you know, before we go to sleep that night. But, I mean, I'd... Usually I'm in bed before that now, but I'd stay up <laughs> extra late and be tired at work the next day to watch the first episode of The Mandalorian if it does launch at midnight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't find anything about actual release times. So maybe it will be at midnight. I don't know. But they haven't um, officially I, announced that they've got to do it soon. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, I imagine we'll get an official announcement about that within the next week. I don't think it's midnight. I think they want to have it where everyone can sit down and enjoy it together. That makes the most sense to me. I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, and look, I, I kind of, I kind of hope for that too. Um, that I because look, that. look at Game of Thrones and all that. Like, I feel like that is very much kind of what they're kind of going for is like kind of in, and in, in, so obviously Netflix did things differently. They put things out at midnight, but that's more of now that's not really the case as far as other play, other things and HBO just puts things out at normal times when they're doing the broadcast and that's what mm -hmm. they're kind of known to do now and but like, I, I mean never, that's the difference is there is no broadcast for the Mandalorian it, so well right but but what I'm saying is with with HBO it it used to be like on the app it came out the same time as the, as the East Coast time but now everyone just watches it at the same time because it just comes out on the app no one waits for the broadcast anymore. Like when Watchmen came out yesterday, uh, we 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 watched it like a half hour into the when it, after it came out. We just were getting ready and all that stuff, and we watched it. And I think most people will watch things as soon as they're available on the app or whatever. So I feel that with HBO, that's what everyone did with Game of Thrones, right? That's what everyone you know sometimes you had to wait sometimes for the the hd broadcast to come out and that's what originally that's what happened you had we had you, had, you could watch it early but you'd get the crappy standard def and then wow and that's then, how it was well, back in the day yeah exactly <laughs> no but, but but yeah so um so yeah so i that's for me i, I feel like that, that's what's going to happen probably in my opinion it'll, it'll be out like at five o'clock six o'clock at night and we'll just kind of go from there yeah i mean i i kind of would prefer that honestly me too. Um, if it's on a Tuesday and you know, we're at work and everyone else is watching who doesn't have to work that day, it's going to be torture. Let's see reactions. Probably have to stay off Twitter that day. If that oh, yeah. I'll be staying off Twitter every day. A new episode comes out until I watch it. Um, but man, can't wait to then get on and talk with everybody about it and stuff. It's going to be so cool having new Star Wars to talk about every week. And that's not even including like uh, a little thing called The Rise of Skywalker that's coming out. So. Um, just a little thing yeah. yeah no it's man the Mandalorian's looking good we're excited for it can't wait to see it in uh, just about a week's time um, and then the last thing I mean we'll just talk about this real quick Paul I know you were maybe going to duck out for this but I mean I won't even really get into uh, the, the spoilery kind of stuff but um, there also is a launch trailer out for uh, Jedi Fallen Order um, just a minute long trailer I mean it doesn't really show a whole lot of new stuff but just more 
uh, footage of like the environments in the game, the type of enemies you'll be fighting, um, and uh, not a whole lot of like new story details, but just kind of reinforcing that story of like uh, you know Cal on the run from the Empire and trying to fight back and learn to become a Jedi. Um, I'm excited for this. I've got it pre-ordered. Um, and I don't remember if we talked about this much on our last episode or not, but they did a, uh, they had like a press event recently where they got a bunch of press members together. Um, my invite must've got lost in the mail, but you know, that's all right. Um, but people (laughs) got to go and like get hands on time with the game and play for, you know, like three hours and all the impressions I've read from that have been really good so far. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. I hope it's really good. I hope the, and just like, the Mandalorian, I feel like they're keeping a lot of this under wraps. Like, we know the basic premise of the story. We've seen a little bit of gameplay footage and stuff. Um, but I, I'm hoping and kind of am getting the feeling that there's, like, a lot more to this story uh, that hasn't really been revealed yet or is just going to be a surprise that we'll find out as we play. So, um, man, I just the fact that we get a live action star wars series and a live action movie and then like a lengthy story based star wars game to play and you know all of that in the span of like two months man stop me if you've heard this one before but it is a good time to be a star (laughs) wars fan i mean heck you said the game comes out november 15th next friday right yeah so that's when the second episode of the Mandalorian is going to drop. As exactly. Well, so like, I don't know if I'm going to get home build. from when I get home from work that day. I don't know if I'm going to play the Mandalorian or watch or play Jedi Fallen Order or watch the Mandalorian first. <laughs> it's going to be a fun filled Star Wars evening that Friday. That's for sure. Yeah, um, man, it's going to be crazy. Actually, I think Jedi Fallen Order will probably come out at midnight which hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed, true. it's midnight East Coast, and maybe I'll get to play for like an hour before I go to bed or something. But yeah, we'll most see. games usually launch that way now. Yeah. So like 9 p.m. our Especially because I've got the digital copy pre- pre-ordered. Um, and hopefully they'll let you like preload it so you can download it earlier in the day. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Regardless, whenever we get to play it and whenever we get to watch stuff, there's just going to be a ton of good Star Wars content to uh, to just get to enjoy. Um and enjoy it, we will. Oh, yes. Heck, I mean, we can't say for sure that any of it's going to be good, but, you know, take your chances. Something's got to be great out of all this stuff we're getting. Hopefully it's all great. <laughs> I'm excited for all of it. So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much all we've got in terms of news. Oh, and then one other quick thing I wanted to mention. Um, so as far as when you can hear us talking about The Mandalorian, I'm sure like we'll do an episode for... Uh, like reviewing the first episode, maybe the first two episodes if we don't get to record till the weekend or something. I mean, we'll see when we actually get to sit down and record. Um, But we'll do an episode like just going in depth for like the first one or two episodes. Um, But then, uh, so we've started a new, sort of a new little spinoff podcast with uh, some of our other co-hosts from the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, And so Michael Cohen created this group where like all the Thunderquack podcast hosts are together um, and we're going to kind of do like a roundtable where like every week it's going to be kind of rotating hosts. But we'll talk about uh, like every episode of The Mandalorian. Um, And so, you know, you might get to hear us on an episode, get to hear Mike and Matt from Rebel Cells on an episode and we'll, you know, switch around and have different people on there. So um, that'll be fun. I know I'm already signed up to do like at least two of those. Um, but and that oh and the uh, the title of the podcast is called faster more intense um, after George Lucas's famous phrase so 
Uh, keep an eye out for that. I know Mike and Matt are going to be doing uh, the series premiere episode. And then, of course, we'll be doing our own series premiere as well. But then you can hear us on there talking about every episode of The Mandalorian. Because um, we probably won't be doing reviews for... We won't be doing our own reviews for every single episode because it's eight weeks in a row and we've still got two more commentaries to do for you guys and we got to talk about Jedi Fallen Order and Rise of Skywalker and this is all in the middle of the holidays. Um, so we probably won't have time to do like an episode every single week on top of all the other stuff we're doing, but um, we'll still definitely be talking about it on here as well throughout the season and kind of check in on where the season is at and talk about our favorite episodes so far and then maybe do another uh, standalone episode just for the series or for the season finale and do like a review of the season as a whole. So um, we'll definitely have plenty of to- plenty to talk about when that comes out. Um, but that is going to do it for now. Um, and before we head out, Tim, uh, we have any more listener responses and uh, tweets and emails and all that kind of stuff. Yep, got some responses on the Mandalorian trailer and the Benioff and Weiss news. So go ahead and get to those. First up on Twitter, uh, regarding the Mandalorian trailer, uh, Martin Elman says, at Darman Studios on Twitter, Bill Burr and Star Wars, that is all. <laughs> I've seen a lot of excitement for Bill Burr being in the Mandalorian. He was the one in that shot where you see him kind of that red lighting. I don't know if he's on a ship or in a base, but he comes out with those blasters and he has that one that's mounted on his shoulder. So that was, was a shot I remember being in the... Uh, celebration footage so um seeing that in good quality again was another one of those shots where that looks better <laughs> when you see it in hd and then derek bb at derek j bb says i only saw a few new shots but i'm still jazzed and then rich brockwell at rich brock says looks so good super battle droids do you guys think um the flashback to clone wars or is it repurposed weapons so, yeah, you heard us talking about that, Rich. We we're hoping that it is Clone Wars flashbacks, and I'm kind of thinking that it is. So here's hoping that that will be the case when we see that scene in an actual episode. And then Spencer at Spencer Tosin just said, you know, the perfect gift for it, the Han Solo, all of it. That was his favorite part. <laughs> and it's hard to argue with that. And then regarding Benioff and Weiss leaving Star Wars, Chris McGuffin on Twitter at The Curse of Chris um, shared his tweets on, you know, his initial reaction to that, where he says, maybe this will finally make Lucasfilm realize that it's okay to slow down <laughs> with all of their decision-making. Seriously, they've been so quick to jump on the bandwagon of the next big thing since the Disney era began, only to have it all come crashing down when circumstances change. We're finally getting what looks like universally loved content in The Mandalorian. Kenobi has so much potential and even the Rise of Skywalker has some doubters reconsidering. I don't think this is a trend yet, but it very well could mean Lucasfilm is on the right track for once. Yeah, kind of agree with you there, Chris, that hopefully, you know, as we mentioned earlier in our episode talking about this, how hopefully, you know, this will be a change in direction as far as when they make these announcements and who they're hiring and when to say what they're working on. So hopefully it is a change for the better, like you said. And then on Facebook, uh, Christoph Keatsman says, The Mandalorian is shaping up to be the best Star Wars since Rogue One, and perhaps the best ever. When it comes to D&D, good riddance. After the atrocious Game of Thrones final season, I don't want them nowhere near Star Wars, even if it means losing the chance of a KOTOR series of movies. I want that to be perfect. So, yeah, Christoph kind of has the sentiments that I've seen a lot of Star Wars fans on, on Twitter and Facebook regarding... Uh, Benioff and Weiss leaving where it's kind of that 
you know, good riddance reaction where they don't want him involved in Star Wars. Like I said, I'm in the minority as far as um, wanting to see what they do with the project, but I think it's safe to say that the majority of fans are happy about this news that they're not going to be involved with it. And that's fine. So glad that, you know, even though for me, this might be kind of some bummer news, but apparently most of the Star Wars fandom is happy about that. So I guess as long as other fans are happy, that's, that's a good thing. And then also too, we got an email. Um, this is regarding our discussion of the Rise of Skywalker trailer from our last episode. And this email is from Jonathan, who's sharing his thoughts. He goes, hey, as always, listening to your review of a trailer was awesome. The in-depth discussion that you always go into is so interesting. Having listened to a lot of opinions on how the saga is going to end, I'm beginning to feel that I'm the only one who wants the saga to end in darkness and the light side broken. Hmm. Aside from the fact that I love Kylo, I feel there is a certain symmetry to the saga. The prequels ended in darkness, and then the original trilogy ended in happiness, so for the sequel trilogy to end in darkness seems right to me. Also, if they have plans to bring films out after the end of the sequel trilogy, then to completely wipe out the Skywalker lineage, especially if the reason they are destroyed is by Palpatine after Kylo turns to the light, would leave it open for them to bring the next great light side user that isn't a Skywalker. And I also agree that a map with the Riders of Rohan on Battlefront would be bloody awesome. <laughs> Sorry for the long message, but keep up the awesome work and long podcasts. Jonathan. Um, How are you going to send a, an email response that's a couple paragraphs long saying sorry for the long response when you're talking about our three and a half hour trailer review? Episode? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about that, Jonathan. You're Never apologize <laughs> for long responses. We don't apologize for our four hour episodes. Yeah, so you're good. But yeah. It is interesting what he says, how he prefers to have it end, you know, where the dark side wins. I mean, I think it would take massive guts for Lucasfilm to <laughs> and JJ to end the saga that way. I, so I don't see that happening, but yeah, it is interesting for to think about that way as far as, you know, in Jonathan's case, really wanting that to be the way the Skywalker saga ends, but yet leaving it open for another light side user to come in. See, I think if anything, like, I mean, I think everybody's expecting that it's going to be a happy ending, but if they were to surprise us at all or sort of subvert expectations, if you will, you know, like you said, the prequel trilogy ended in darkness. The original trilogy ended in victory and triumph. What if this trilogy somehow ends in balance? Like ah. if it's kind of bittersweet or if there's some light and some darkness to it um, or some ambiguity. J.J. Um, Abrams did say that the he already had this was like, you know, a couple months ago. He said he had planned the final shot already and that it was going to blow your mind. So. I don't know what that means, but, you know, I, I don't think like I think we talked about this on our trailer review. Like, I don't think this movie's going to just end with another Ewok celebration. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. I I mean, I can't wait to see how it all ends and how they wrap up this saga, but I can't wait to see the whole movie. Um, and just. Yeah, man, even that is less than two months away, so um exciting times uh thank you jonathan and thank you all you guys who responded on on social media for your comments and your thoughts and for uh listening and engaging with us we always appreciate it um and as always if you want to write to us or, or uh, share your thoughts with us you can find us on twitter at star wars tsc on facebook at facebook.com slash star wars the saga continues you can send us email at star wars tsc at gmail.com and you can check out our website at 
StarWarsTSE.com uh, just to check out all the news stories and stuff that we're posting and find all our latest episodes. But I'm sure you can find the latest episodes if you're listening to the latest episodes. So, um, but that's going to do it for now. We will be back soon with Mandalorian talk or Force Awakens commentary or something for you guys. Um, but uh, thank you as always for tuning in. We will see you next time and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels!